Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your soup. Um, before we start the questions, I'll just announce next week's topic. And that is, a, it's, a long, it's a long title. It's the Canadian government's new mandate for its summer job program grants respectful of religious rights and freedoms of conscience. As you know, uh, the federal government mandate that uh, nonprofits uh, apply for summer job uh, grants uh, buy into the, the Canadian Charter rights. So there's a little bit of, there may be some religious overtones in that. So that's what we're discussing next week. And the speaker is Katharina Stevens, a, a new professor from the University of Lethbridge. Uh, she's originally from Germany. So she's going to give us her take on, she doesn't have a particular. Uh, opinion about it, but she's just going to give us the, the pros and cons. And it's up to you guys to define whether she's, what, whether it's right or not. Anyway, uh, you know the, uh, the rule around here, the question period is exactly that. It's not necessarily your own opinion accounts, but uh, <laughs> So we'll entertain uh, up to two questions from each person, and uh, please state your name before you ask the question. And with that, I invite uh, Danielle back up to uh, face the music. <laughs> I think I'm going to start. My name is Tad Michi. Thank you for your excellent presentation. I agree with you 99%. I have 1% problem because when I was a kid, we used to get together with our cronies and said to ourselves, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? For about half an hour. And then we enjoyed that period of wandering. And uh, I understand Albert Einstein said, creativity is a product of wasted time. We are organizing children's life too much. Looking at my granddaughters. I'm worried about that. What's going to happen to the kids who don't have time to say, what are we going to do? Yeah, 
no, uh, thanks for that. And I actually agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Uh, and certainly the evidence agrees with you on that as well. So um, I think a lot of people, when we talk about having a curriculum for early learning and childcare, think that means structured sitting at desks, teaching kind of opportunities, but it's actually uh, uh, very unstructured uh, in terms of, of taking the leads off the kids, letting the kids drive, letting their interests drive, what's, what's happening in those centers, uh, being very child focused, observing, uh, helping them to learn through their play in the things that they're interested in. And so uh, the childcare community is moving towards uh, understanding, introducing some level of risk to play. Because again, you know, if we're, if we're making sure they never have any chance at all to fall off of something, you know, you know, foot off the ground even, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly not helping their development. So introducing more outdoor play, introducing more outdoor play during the winter, introducing some risk-based play and all of the curriculum, again, that, that term somewhat a misnomer, um, if you think of it in terms of what would happen in a school, it's all based around supporting the child to drive play and using what they're doing to help them to learn through the process and just participating with them. So uh, we'll continue to, to recognize the value of that free time and that free play and uh, help actually to spread that throughout the province with the curriculum so that all uh, centres have the opportunity to support children learning through that, that free play opportunity. Maria Fitzpatrick and Knud, you gotta forgive me, but I have to make a comment and then a brief question. Uh, so uh, for the last year, I've worked on the uh, child intervention panel, and uh, I have to acknowledge uh, the support that was given to that panel from uh, Minister Larravee and how focused she is on making things better for children in this province. And I have to say that from the inside because I witnessed every time that we had a meeting or we had a discussion, how supportive and how helpful the minister was on that. And I wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And my question is, uh, you had mentioned in your comments about uh, children's brain development up to the age of six. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you could just provide a couple of further comments on uh, the kind of things that uh, parents can do uh, to stimulate their kids and to get them into quality, affordable childcare. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thanks for that. I certainly, uh, evidence has made it very clear uh, that the critical years in terms of brain development for children uh, is the first five to six years. So uh, they are very much sponges at that point, ready to learn about how to interact with their world, how to interact with other human beings. So just what we were talking about, the opportunity um, to engage with other people, to engage with an environment, to explore, to learn things to grow, to be, to be talked to, to, to learn about language, uh, all of the different areas of development, social, emotional, physical, um, uh, cognitive, right across the board. Uh, the more we can do to stimulate them and provide opportunities to, to learn and grow. Of course, one of the, the challenges with that is we know uh, every child has different opportunities uh, on those fronts. So, so some children have uh, homes and households where the parents either inherently know that or have studied or learned that or have the opportunity to provide a stable a learning environment where they have all those opportunities uh, and other children unfortunately don't have the same opportunities and in fact may be dealing with grief be dealing with trauma, be dealing with loss, which without support can have a tremendously net quality affordable childcare is to make sure that every child has the opportunity 
for that great in that and uh, certainly that that be delivered in a way that for those help them to uh, to grow and develop through those experiences as well. Uh, <coughs> Minister, I'm Trevor Page. Um, quality, affordable childcare. But I wonder if you could put that into the context of need mm -hmm. and what your plans are. But how does that look against the need that exists? Need affordable health care in Alberta, and how many are you going to reach by? Uh, uh, everybody. <laughs> I um, certainly know at... Um, <coughs> sorry, for some reason, I'm... Um, by the end of phase two, we expect around um, uh, over children to have access to to this program. But again, uh, they're very much understood to be pilot programs because uh, every parent, uh, you know, some of them do have a lot of money, and then their children need to have access to quality, affordable childcare if they want to go back to work. Talking to a teacher who's well off uh, in in Slave Lake who won't go back to work economically for her family in order to do that. And you know what? She's amazing. She's a brilliant teacher. She taught my child. And I was so thankful to have the opportunity for her. And that opportunity of children to learn from her is lost if we are. So we need it so that women can go back to work. I mean, I say women, men possibly, so that those parents who need an opportunity to have education can go back and advance that this province who, who need access to that. I couldn't even tell you exactly what the demand would be because uh, we know that the majority of childcare is provided by unlicensed providers. Right now, uh, licensed spaces just aren't affordable for most families. So parents choose an option that is most affordable to them, which is some form of unlicensed care. And I know providers who are amazing, but I also know some unlicensed care uh, situations that have been very dangerous. But those parents didn't have the money to be able to afford access to care. And so that's that's what we need to stop. We need to stop making it that parents can't afford for a good start for their children um, in this province. That's that's uh, And making sure that everybody has an opportunity for a good start. And not only is it the right thing to do, as well, all of... Um, Evidence points out to uh, every early learning and childhood uh, education and supports uh, has a tremendous return on investment uh, and certainly in the in the realm of six dollars for every dollar uh, is on that. So so there's a tremendous need, I think, on behalf of families in terms of access to affordable care um, because um, maybe they, they don't have a financial situation. But I think all of us benefit from making sure that the kids who are going to grow up to be uh, the Albertans who help this province grow and thrive will have the support they need to create this province and make this province an even better place than it is right now. Sorry, I'm short. <laughs> Hi, my name is Haley. Um, my question is, um, currently with all these pilot projects, it's obviously a good start, but in the meantime, is there any um, thought going towards increasing the subsidy amount or the income threshold, which hasn't been raised in quite some time? <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and thanks for that question. So uh, certainly um, we recognize and value uh, uh, the subsidy at this point. I mean, until we can move forward with early learning and childcare, um, uh, it continues to be a challenge. So we're certainly in the, mid in, in the middle of budget deliberations right now. We consider it every year. Uh, we've been in the midst, though, of a downturn for, for such a long time. So uh, it certainly is a consideration, and uh, we'll keep on seeing what we can do in the meantime. Maximum of $25 a day childcare. So. Thanks for your talk, Mary Shillington. Uh, Cup East, um, 
what what happens with those people who do have more money? Is there a sliding scale, uh, $25 for everybody? And the other thing is uh, the care there, the child care there. Uh, so do people have to be of Aboriginal? So those are my two questions. Okay. Uh, no, thanks for those questions. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, a sliding scale, I mean, the pilots were, were to demonstrate what universal access to affordable mm -hmm. childcare was. So okay. not income dependent. And that's what there's value in providing opportunity to to. To, for it to be an economic, for it to sense economically for them to be in the workforce. And uh, I look at it very similar to our public education system, X2, um, is, is, is where we're going with that. Uh, in terms of Opacossin, anybody, it's not limited just to those who uh, are Indigenous, although they do amazing work in supporting uh, those who are Indigenous uh, in terms of that, but everybody would be welcome there. Hello, it's <coughs> Jean Fennell here. Um, is very, very good. My concern is, are there going to be enough hundred in some centres? Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, so certainly a number of these centres are existing childcare centres that are um, providing quality care uh, in the communities they're already in. We do, though, uh, want to encourage space creation, and there are a number uh, of the centres that, that are applying who are brand new and, and would be opening up thanks to, to the grant. So we'll continue and continue to work in, in cooperation with post-secondary uh, education to make sure there's the opportunities for that, but also uh, incredibly valuable uh, and under, uh, undervalued by uh, Alberta and recognize them as the professionals they are that are providing uh, support to, to our children. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, those workers and organizations to, to advance the profession. But uh, my grandson is in a day home instead of a day care, and it's $40. Uh, is the deficit. How much does it really cost you for each child in one of your... Uh, I guess the first is the way that the grants are working. So the grants are backfilling the difference between uh, what the centre would have to pay uh, versus what uh, the full cost of the program, but that, that difference, and that's what the grant's covering. As well as that, um, uh, beyond that, I think day homes are an important part of our uh, early childhood education delivery system in the province. And so as part of phase two, we're going to agencies to talk about what it would look like to be able to deliver day homes. And so uh, as we move forward with this, the day homes could be a part of it as well. Imagine how happy you just made me because <laughs> our agency is a daycare, day home and kindergarten. Um, I just had a couple comments on some of the things that people mentioned. Um, basic educators to co-learn and co-research with the children. So we are no longer in the children's um, interests and on their abilities to make sure that we are huge emphasis on parent engagement and education so they know that their children are not just. My question would be, is there any initiative going forward that would require in a couple of years for all early childhood educators to be serving this? Because we are making it work with the staffing that we currently have resumes coming in, but it would be a lot easier to make these initiatives go forward if everyone had a high... And thank you for that question. And I think I spoke earlier about uh, how important it is. Uh, um, they're not just babysitters. And uh, there's certainly, I think, 
a perception uh, on behalf of many Albertans that that's what they're doing. That we are today where children are often in full-time uh, childcare. They really need to be taught. They really need to have educators to support them. It does require a certain skill set uh, and a level of education. So uh, we're certainly going to... I don't think it's going to happen in the next couple of years, for sure. Uh, I often talk about, you know, there's certainly a lot of work to do. I think one of our challenges... I'm, I'm, I have to tell you right off, like, I'm so excited at how many people that wanted to talk about childcare. Because I add on and I go home, people don't come in in MLA's doors and talk about childcare. Um, starting to happen, which is telling me that finally uh, our society is, is bringing childcare a bit more to the forefront and having the conversations. And so I think that to this province, to our culture, um, and to our society and uh, we value the workers making sure that we value the service that they provide and uh, certainly see the ELCCs as a start in terms of raising the profile of childcare and helping people understand why it's so important to change going forward. My question regards what's been happening in the system but I gather they're saying that what happens at the end of the year when the accountants take a look at the cost that Quebec government comes out in the black. So my question to you is, did you take a look at this program when you were setting up the current program that you're talking about? Uh, well, I mean, certainly that's a good question. When we develop any program, we look at different jurisdictions and what they're doing and what works and doesn't work. Um, uh, Quebec is certainly the example in Canada of looking at affordable child care uh, and BC just announced they're going to head in that direction too. Um, but there's jurisdictions around the world who uh, you know, are miles ahead of us in terms of recognizing the value of early childhood education. So we looked at those but what it came down to was what would a made in Alberta solution be? How do we work with the way child care is delivered uh, in this province? Um, at this point in time and uh, so we didn't you know turn it upside down and change the system completely we just are working with the system that's already here to figure out how we can uh, continue to assist parents going forward so um, I think it's very different than the particular situation uh, in uh, in Quebec and uh, but we'll certainly evaluate it we're going to be looking incredibly closely in terms of evaluation as we go through this in terms of what our costs were and what the outcomes are and what the value is to Albertans and to the families it's providing to and like forward to see uh, what comes out of the evaluations when we're done. Hi, I'm Pat Greenlee. Um, I think I heard you say maximum $25 a day daycare. Mm -hmm. So people who are on, who have a very low income or income support um, would still be able to qualify and the government would make up the uh, up to $25 if they can't, mm -hmm. if people can't afford that. Right, so um, so uh, the grant is designed to backfill to $25 a day, but they're still eligible for subsidy. Um, so for some very low income families uh, in the province, they would actually be paying nothing for childcare. Yeah. And so certainly that's, I, I made reference to it in my notes, but um, you know, speaking to a young woman who was, who was very tearful, speaking about the fact that she literally was torn between paying for di di diapers and childcare, and the fact that she didn't have to choose between diapers and childcare, uh, that's what this meant. She couldn't believe it, completely in disbelief, and uh, that, that this opportunity had happened to her. So, yeah. uh, This will be the last question, because I have a written one here, so go ahead. Hi, my name is Henning Mundell. 
and as a retired scientist, agricultural scientist, mind you, but when I hear about a pilot project and so on, I always wonder, and I wonder if you could outline for us what kind of tools of evaluation do you use on the pilot project before extending it to the 100 and then beyond? What kind of controls do you have that you compare with? No, thanks for that question. Um, uh, so between phase one and phase two, based on our feedback, we made some small changes, but um, uh, that we're already kind of learning some changes more anecdotally, but um, we will be um, uh, engaging uh, um, somebody to, to do a very formal evaluation on that. I don't, I'm not the scientist. I mean, uh, as a nurse, I was happy to deliver care, but I uh, certainly never worked on, on that side of things. But uh, we'll be putting out an RFP to make sure that there's a very strong, in-depth uh, evaluation of that process. And once we have that all in line, we'd be happy to have that conversation at a future date. So this will be the last question. And uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember Gordon Sinclair, this involves uh, what, what's a little bit of money. What is it going to cost all this? Uh, uh, a provincial subsidy as opposed to $25 hmm. universal daycare. Do you have any figures to indicate what that might <laughs> cost? Yeah, um, okay, well, that's a good question. Uh, so uh, at this point in time, we invest about $321 million a year in childcare. Uh, that helps cover subsidy, uh, it covers accreditation uh, supports to make sure that we support uh, staff to do that, and also uh, includes our pilot project. So, which was only, I mean, our first 22 centers, it was $10 million in grants in order to, to support those 22 centers, and um, 40. $40 million, $45 million, uh, it changed over time, $45 million uh, from the federal government in order to expand that up to, to 100. So at this point in time, um, uh, that will be part of the analysis, what the return on investment is, what, what the comparison would be, uh, you know, where, where does it fit with subsidy, what should the model look like going forward. And um, so it's, it's definitely work in progress. But uh, we certainly, at this point, based on um, uh, the preliminary feedback we're getting, I, I certainly think it's worth investing in. We might need to make tweaks along the way based on whatever the feedback comes. But um, it's certainly, I think, making a big difference in the lives of Albertans, which is something we definitely think worth investing in. So do you have any idea what uh, a universal program would cost eventually if it it, if it becomes universal? That's, that's a really great question. I think in part, I talked a bit about it already, is that the vast majority of childcare in this province is, is provided by unlicensed childcare providers. So I have no way of knowing how many, I mean, even when I say that the vast majority is provided, that's our best guesstimate uh, of what's out there. Uh, I think an example of, of, um, of what happens when you make a, a quality childcare affordable is what happened in Peace River. Peace River is a small community in northern Alberta, and uh, you know their facility they had a daycare that had vacancies, uh, but they applied and and were able to get the early learning and childcare center, uh, and now they could build a second full center and still not have achieved providing care to every single one of the people on their waiting list. So uh, there are a number of people who aren't asking for it because they can't afford it. Uh, and, um, but 
but how many people are going to step up once it's there? How many people have not been taking advantage of childcare because they um, couldn't afford it and maybe want to go back to school or want to go back to work? So there's going to be a big question in terms of what that looks like and what the demand is as we go forward. And um, there's some value in the phased in approach to learn uh, and use it as a pilot project and uh, and see what happens as we go forward and what the demand is. And um, But I expect it's going to be substantially more than $321 million. So I'm hoping that uh, the conversations around early learning and child care centres uh, helps Albertans to understand the value. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping that many step up and say, hey, I want you to invest in child care, spend what you need to make sure that our kids get a good start and to make sure that our families have the support they need to to be able to contribute to our economy. So right across the board, both uh, the right thing to do socially, but also the right thing to do for our economy. So uh, I like your approach that we look upon that as an investment rather than a cost. Thanks. That's my personal opinion, of course. <laughs> uh, moderators are not supposed to give personal opinions, but I just did. Uh, can Do you have a take-home question for the group here that, that we could ponder upon? Oh. That's a good question. I, um, I, uh, I've been speaking to early learning and childcare professionals, advocates, community organizations from across the province. I, I don't know how many groups I've met with now, but um, you know, from Fort McMurray to Grand Prairie to Lethbridge, you know, Edmonton, Calgary, a bunch of places in between, um, talking about uh, about this. And I think I brought it up a couple times, but I think. The challenge for many is that it's just not made it on the political radar uh, a lot of the time is that um, while families recognized that childcare was a challenge for them, grandparents recognized it was a challenge for their grandchildren, it uh, wasn't necessarily something that people envisioned could be different and didn't make it to the top of the list of things to ask for. So, um, so what I asked of them uh, often was to think about what they could do uh, in order to uh, help raise the profile of childcare and to uh, share with others about what the value is uh, of this and start raising the profile of it and help understanding so that um, uh, that politicians start getting questions uh, in their office saying when when is uh, quality affordable child care coming to this province because that's that's what I want to see so if you can think about how you can interact with your friends and neighbors and people in your communities and talk about um, how valuable this is and how important it is that we go forward and and how you can contribute to raising that that would be fantastic please join me in thanking Mr. Lavi. And I would say you passed the test.